0: Welcome to the Ambitious Broker podcast, where elite real estate professionals share their secrets to success, discuss topics impacting their industry, and gain professional development insights. Enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to Ambitious Broker. This is the second part in a three part series. With Stephen Noel as a part of our Icon series, enjoy today's episode.
1: I can coach that. I think I can coach that into the future. I'm I'm pretty sure. Uh, so, all right. So, so how how large a farm did you have? Uh, five hundred homes, and uh, and actually, that's the farm houses. that I have now is is about five
2: hundred homes also.
1: Five hundred houses. So here you are, forty years later, you still got a farm. Yep. Oh, you bet. Well, hasn't someone told you that farming doesn't work anymore? Yeah, they keep telling me that, and I just kind of
2: smile and go, yes, you're right, it doesn't, because I know that it uh, it does for me, uh, and it makes a big difference.
1: Well, I remember when people were saying that, uh, uh, that to me today, that farming doesn't work, and I go, I know, that's what they told me in 1974 when I started, that it doesn't work anymore. So here we are 46 years later, and... Nothing's changed. Farming still doesn't work. You know? In fact, you remember remember we used to we used to ring that bell and we used to every time someone would, would take a listen and we would go up, oh, see, farming doesn't work. Exactly. Know? Over and over again. And you so, know it's interesting. So, there
2: there's other ways now of of prospecting. Um, you know, social media and whatnot. But the problem is, is that the younger agents now are depending strictly on that and they're not having the base. The beauty of a farm, once you control that, is that I know that I'm going to get 20 to 25 transactions a year out of my farm. Pretty much guaranteed as long as I stay on top of staying in touch with these folks as I do anyway. Uh, So you've got that base and then you can build your business from there. But it takes a while to get it going. There's no doubt about it.
1: Yeah. You have to, you just have to get people to know you. Uh, that's, that's, that's rule number one of my coaching is that your income is directly proportionate to how many people know you, like you, trust you. And then I've added to that. Um, I've added to that recently and they know what you stand for. They have people today have to know what you stand for.
2: You know, it's interesting you say that because, um, my listing presentation now, um, Literally, the very first question that I ask when you open up the presentation book, there is a uh, one of the pages there says, Do you absolutely have to sell your home to accomplish your goals? And I think when people realize that, look, you know, I'm a firm believer that you don't sell real estate unless you have to keep it in your portfolio. You know, it's going to it's going to make you incredible income in the long run and whatnot. And when people saw that I was more interested in what their uh, future was, and the byproduct is I'm going to make money eventually, and I'm not worried about that. But when you have their concerns more you know, in tune with what they need to in their lifetime. You've got that uh, portfolio set up for them. And they realize that you're not out just to make a commission that you truly do care about their future. And from that comes a heck of a lot of referrals too, which is nice.
1: Right. And that's why we call this ambitious broker because, because the industry has become so loaded with people who are kind of opportunists. They come in, they want to do a transaction. Maybe they don't. It's, it becomes a people at the PTA, the neighbor, the people in the soccer, you know, and so forth. And it's, uh, it's very frustrating for me personally, as an observer, as a student of the game, so to speak, to watch this transpire, because uh, the, the, to be successful, you have to, and to change your life, you have to do it. You have to succeed consistently for a long period of time. You see it with sports. You see it with sports athletes. They make you know they get million dollars or multi 1000000 dollars and they do it for two or three or four years and I, I the 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 statistic that they for NFL guys is like over seventy percent are 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 bankrupt you know or or um, you know within twenty four years twenty four months of leaving the NFL same thing with NBA I think the numbers around sixty percent so these guys make a lot of money they come in and then three four five six years later they're they're bankrupt. And we see it in real estate too. People come in, they happen to catch the wave of a good market and and then boom, you know the, the market changes. They weren't fundamentally sound and, and, and they're broke onto a different career. So it's that consistency. That's, I think that's what I admired most about you throughout the years is your ability to, to stay really consistent in what you did. So go back to your farm and explain that methodology that 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 took you 14 months because your your basic objective was uh, the first day you went out with your crutches you didn't know anybody and 14 months and 14 months later you you knew enough people who knew enough about you to where it's finally started ticking and before you do that real quickly once things did start ticking at at 14 months then. Then did it start to get pretty consistent after that?
2: Yeah, it did. I just had to stay consistent in what I was doing. But absolutely, the byproducts uh, started coming in. And, and uh, one after another, I would list more and more. And eventually, uh, the gal who was my competition, she left the business. Um, she was frustrated and, right. and just decided to quit. I had other competitors, but uh, uh, that kept me going and whatnot. But it, it's just the nature of the business that you have to keep on going.
1: Yeah. So, all right. So day one with the crutches, you go out and then your plan and what you did, you know, pretty consistently looked like what? I would knock about 50 doors
2: a day, uh, which on crutches is, was really a pain, uh, no doubt, no pun intended. uh, But, uh, yeah. It was the consistency of that. It was following up with phone calls afterwards, letting them know that, you know, I left them a, a notepad and that I uh, loved the opportunity to answer any questions that they had and whatnot. And just, it was just the consistency of staying in touch with people. So not only did I call them, but then I, I mean, uh, knocked the door, but then I went back to the office and called them also and got that second, uh, uh, that second appearance to them.
1: And so how often were you doing that? How often through... Did you touch all 500 houses? Every 60 days,
2: uh, every 60 every, 60, every days. 60 days, hit 500 homes. So you know when you're when you're doing that, and you know you're really looking at about uh, minimum of 25 homes a day that I was doing, and I wasn't doing it every single day. But by the uh, end of the 60 days, I was through the entire farm, and then just went right back and started all over again, uh, trying to produce something. So you
1: literally. You literally failed seven trips. Yes. <laughs> you, you, you lousy bum you. So you knocked on, you were a loser. You knocked on 3,500 doors, seven times 500 houses before you got your first listing. <laughs> you were so stupid. You kept doing it. I absolutely. yeah. That's, that's one of the things we talk about a lot. Please don't outsmart yourself, you know. There, there's just some there's just some basic laws in physics and there's some basic laws in real estate. Certainly one of them is don't outthink yourself here. Just just get just Keep going. Be consistent. And still to this day, uh, I'm not out door knocking anymore,
2: quite honestly. Uh, but I do stay in touch with every single one of those people every 60 days uh, in my farm now. Right. Um, and it's just consistency. Uh it is something that they know they can depend on it. And they know that if they have any questions regarding their property tax or whatnot, I'm always going to be there and answer it for them. So it's really become one of those things that most people know me uh, and recognize me uh, as somebody that's just trying to help them out. That's it. And the byproducts right. do, do come from that.
1: Right. It's just what you stand for again. So so what else were you doing along the way when when you weren't able to... When the, the farming wasn't paying off, what other types of prospecting were you doing? Not I'm enough. Doing enough
2: at that time, and quite honestly, I fought it like crazy. Right. I really did. Uh, you know, you were like my dad in the business, and you know, every day you got to do this, you got to do that, and you know how you a lot of times you don't listen to dad. So I started uh, uh, doing a few other seminars and whatnot. I got very active in, in Mike Ferry and listening to his stuff, and and his basic message was just this prospect 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 never stop prospecting and although you said it to me over and over again you know you were dad and i didn't listen to dad when i finally decided that that's what i was going to do the world changed i mean everything changed because now i was consistently prospecting over and above the farming the farming was just something that quite honestly i did it a lot of it out of guilt because everybody else in the office was doing it And, you know, I felt I had to go out there and I did. And and that pressure was great. Uh, But just the basic follow-up and staying in touch with people. I still consistently make between 40 and 50 calls every single day to my past clients and to my farm and everything. Every single day, five days a week. I still do it. I print out a call list in the morning. I have my headset on. And while I'm driving around, I'm making calls. Uh, and you know, it's great right. now cars are set up where you can just say dial such and such and that does it. And so it's all hands-free and I can make those calls, uh, consistently. And the people know that I'm going to be in touch with them every 60 days.
1: Right. You know, so you go seven times through your farm at 3,500 houses. And, uh, so each time you went through, you'd knock on 500 doors. You, you would meet probably in those days probably half the people huh about yeah so once you were through so once you were through the area you had 250 people that at least saw you that never knew you before and then you were doing some mailing too i know at least once a month you would mail something i believe yeah so so then the second time through then you've met some of those same people twice the 250 people that you had met grew to probably 300. You had you had a couple hundred people that you've met twice now, and you've had 150 or 200 people that you've met once. Then you take a third trip around. And then you have, again, a couple hundred people that have now seen you a third time. And then, and so forth. So by the time you first, by the time you got that first listing 14 months down the road, uh, all of a sudden you 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 literally have met maybe 200 people seven times or more, and you've met you you probably, there's probably 50 or 70 people or so, maybe a hundred that you never met still because of various things, but 400 people you've gotten engaged with relationships. So it's it's an interesting kind of milestone to think about, well, maybe that's what I got to do. I've got to get 400 people to know me and uh, 200 people to know me really well. uh, And and sort of as a foundation for anyone who's starting you know these ambitious brokers today, how do you know? You know, one of the things that always frustrated uh you know me to watching people is that they they would forget that that you have to allow things to compound, build on one. You know, you 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 that's a career. You let you, you know, one year build to the next, build to the next, and then you're at five years, then you're at 10 years, and then you're rich or getting rich, you know, or on your way and you had a good solid career. But But the thing is, is you don't do that in two years, you don't do that in three years. So this idea that it it took you 14 months, but boy, I mean, at least at the end of 14 months, you could say, look at what I accomplished. I now have 300 people that know me really well. I have, and and so trying to measure, and that's really where I was gonna get to with this, is trying to measure your success uh, when you've had no sales or no listings. You got to find a way to, to, to feel good about every day, right?
2: Yeah, you do. And what's interesting is, you know, success breeds success. So when I got my first listing now, all of a sudden, those 400 people, uh, they may not verbalize it in any way, but as they're driving by it, they see my sign and subconsciously they're thinking, oh, you know, yeah, I've, I've met him and, you know, more and more. So as I'm getting more and more listings, the beauty of it is, and actually, I think that uh, for those out there listening that are getting frustrated with this, I think once you turn the corner, the longer it is before you succeed, if you are diligent, that it actually will springboard even faster because people will see that you stuck to it. People will see that, you know, your hard work is breeding success and the next person is more likely to do business with you, and the next one, and the next one, and the next one. And I mean, now uh, I don't do all of the business in my farm, uh, but I do probably. Well, last year was sixty-one percent. This year, I think it were about fifty-seven percent of all the listings that go on. that's yeah, amazing. Which you know was fantastic. So uh, this year so far, yeah, and, and every closed on. Uh, 19 or 20 in my farm and I've got four others under contract right now. So we'll hit the 25 to 30 by the end of the year.
1: That's all I can ask. Right. You know, that's awesome. Right. Well, I think anybody who gets 50% market share in any business, any place, unless you're Google, I guess, <laughs> it's pretty darn good. You know? <laughs> it hadn't worked yet? All right, so... So now you're 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 finally getting this built up. You're starting to now you take some deals, and now you there's that transition where you go from uh, having to have some blind faith to where you're saying, okay, no, this is working now. I get this. Um, and so, when was there a time when you just said? All right, this is me, man. I finally it clicks. I got it, and this is this is what I this is where I'm going to raise my family. This is how I'm going to, you know, uh, prepare myself for retirement. Can you remember that? Can you remember what it was or or what the feeling was?
2: I think well, the first year that I became number one in the company, uh, that obviously helped a lot because then the recognition was there, and I don't mean from for me personally, but. Uh, Just in in terms of uh, the industry realizing that here I am, I'm a force, I'm going to make it happen. And I I really believed in myself at that point. Um, Another thing happened also, and that was that I tried to kick my ego out the door. And every one of my past clients who I had been really pretty bad about staying in touch with and whatnot... I called him and apologized, and I I literally apologized to him. And you know, I'd call, "Hey, Jerry, this is uh, Stephen Noel. I owe you an apology. I know we closed on your transaction a couple years ago, and I promised you I was going to stay in touch with you and whatnot, and I failed you. I know I've, I've contacted you a couple times." but I really need to be in touch with you more often to see if you have questions. And quite honestly, I'd love to, you know, maybe sell you an investment property sometime so you can build up your, your, uh, uh, you know, portfolio for retirement, but I want to apologize to you. I promise you, I'm not going to do that anymore. And then I got them, we were pretty much the first computerized real estate company in the United States uh, or very close to it. And uh, I then put all of my clients on a, a rotating schedule that I was going to stay in touch with them. And now I, again, I still stay in touch with past clients from California, even though I'm in Colorado uh, every quarter, uh, stay in touch with them and let them know what's going on wow. uh, with the industry. And that, you know, maybe they want to think about uh, an investment property and whatnot uh, and educating them a little bit more on what it is because now they know that Market. I care about them.
1: So, right. You know, it's funny you'd say that because with a, a group that I've been coaching recently, uh, trying to get them, you know, still set up on some type of a CRM system, and and telling them to go back and load load your get your database set up, load it uh, with every name in your phone, and I had someone. I had someone in my group that was really interesting, and this happened used to happen all the time back when I still had my real estate company. And but uh, so he ended up going to his phone. He he was able to download it. He 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 kind of scrubbed, you know, people that weren't everybody that was in real estate. He scrubbed it and didn't put it in his database, which is fine with me. Uh, and but he ended up with hundreds of names, and I I don't remember it exactly, but it was four or five hundred names. So he suddenly had a farm and I've said often, you know, you talk about your, you started your farm knowing no one, zero. And these people can go through their phones and set up and start a farm, so to speak, a consistent, you know, group of people talk to, and you know them all to start with. It's it's an amazing start. It's amazing when you keep it in perspective. So he, he, uh, he set them up the way you did with your farming, where he was going to, he divided them up. X number a day, and started calling them. And he was telling me a couple of stories. This one particular guy was telling me a couple of stories about how a name would come up, and he started pacing because he knew that I was going to jump all over him if he didn't call the guy. But at the same time, he hadn't talked to the guy for ten years. And so I, it's so I literally went to him and I said, "Just tell the guy you're sorry you haven't talked to him for a while, right?" And and he said, so he 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 did it but what was funny about it is he had been in the business for 12 years he had a name pop up and he hadn't talked to the guy for 15 years so the guy didn't even know he was in real estate so i you know first thing i want to do is smack him you know and say how can you not talk to someone that you knew for 15 years so when he called the guy up he finally said the same thing he goes you know roger i paste i paste i paste and i finally called the guy up and and uh said, hey, you know, Joe, how you doing? And, and um, he says it was like I hadn't ever not talked to the guy. Even after 15 years, they were like, oh, yeah, they you know a little bit of early chatter, how you been and so forth. But he's actually said then, oh, by the way, I'm in real estate. You know, 12 years later, he tells the guy, right? And his the guy's response was, you're kidding me. He says, I literally just closed escrow on a house 60 days ago. And... I can't, I can't even begin to tell people how many sales they miss because that close, that close 60 days ago, he makes that call and he's got a deal. And then he went on to tell me a couple of other phone calls like that. But it's interesting that, that you would say, Hey, I'm sorry. I haven't talked to you, but you know, I, I'm back in the loop again. Following up
2: a little bit on that, I think a lot of it all is also the attitude that you have as the agent that am I going to have more interest, and want a better outcome for my friend, okay, who is potentially a client coming up, than somebody else would. And if you don't believe that up front, if you don't believe that, look, I truly care about this person, and I truly will do the very, very best job I can, and I know I can do better than somebody else. If you're calling up with, oh yeah, and by the way, I'm in real estate now, and you know, you're just real negative about it, or or just not the attitude of, the, I'm going to help you in the future with any way that I can. And obviously, you need to lighten up on it a little bit and not be overbearing to start with. But you have to go in with the attitude that I know that I care more about this person than some other schmo from some real estate company who just happens to be door knocking or whatnot. Uh, I have a relationship with this person, and I truly care about what it is. Um once I think you get the well, attitude that you're trying I, to benefit your client in any way you possibly can, the client is going to see that and go from there, you know? Uh, and and that's how your, your business will just multiply like crazy at that point, because people know I, that I really, you care I, every single bit about what you're doing.
1: Yeah. You know, again, if you're a career-oriented person, that's really what ambitious brokers about here is to talk to people that want to make a career out of it. You know, this show and bringing people like you on as part of our icon series is really about people who want to do this long term. And as we've talked, you have to think long term. But if you are of that mindset, that you're a long-term guy and you're you, this is your career and you're you're educating yourself like you should be, you're being consistent like you should be, and you're doing the things that that you know are the right things to do, just look around at your competition, just look around and say, oh my goodness, uh, who do I want my mother to meet? One of those people or me? And, and realize, realize what a favor you're doing to someone if in fact you, you convince them that you're the person, right? Absolutely. I mean, if I go on a
2: listing presentation and I'm up against three other people, uh, I'm very confident that I'm going to get the listing. Mm -hmm. And it's not because, you know, I'm, more wonderful than they are, or, or that, uh, you know, uh, it, it just, it comes down to the fact that I truly believe I care about those clients needs more than they do. That's really what it comes down. Right. to. I care about the client more than they do. And I, I want to do the very, very best job I can for those people. Because I know that if I do, not only will I be their broker, probably for life, but everybody that they know, is going to be hearing about it, and that makes a difference. Uh, right. 70% of my business comes from repeater referral business. And that's a lot right. when I do a lot of business to get that many clients that like me enough to refer me out to their friends uh, because they know that I care about it and whatnot. And it it really does matter. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You have better relationships well, you know, you, also. You,
1: yeah, you know, you mentioned that that you had not talked to some past clients for a long time. And I used to have a standard line that said, you know, no one teaches the client how to treat the broker, you know. And so, you know, I know when I first started, I, I had this impression that from the classes I had taken that you treat people well and then the business comes back to you. And so I sort of let it go. And as you know, I, you know, I was doing 60 plus, 65 sales a year or something like that. I dominated my farm, similar to what you're, you're doing. And, and, and so I just assumed these people would be coming back to me. And I had a few who did and was giving me some referral business. But when I started measuring how much business I did and how much referral I was getting, and I saw that gap and realized that, no, I'm, I've, am you know, yeah, they they want to give you business, but only if you reach out and remind them to your point that you still care, that you're still there. And so that whole thought uh, of that is the way, is what, is how I uh, created the, the first CRM system. And you were there. And you've probably never thought about this, but you, you're you probably the first human being in America that used the CRM system. I bet it never occurred to you. <laughs> yeah, well, the only thing I can promise you, son, is if you continue using this CRM system, you will get rich one day. it will pay off one day, yeah. And, and, I, and I think it did. But I mean, uh, it's true. So to your point, you were able to you were able to, you know, shift that farming idea from a, uh, a door knocking, frequently calling. And you were one of the most religious people ever in using our CRM system. It just made sense to you for some reason. And it was it was never I know we never had a struggle. I would have to convince people, you know, you need to get onto this and and even to this day, someone reminded me of, of, of just a couple of years ago that we probably had a higher percentage of people using the CRM system than people have today using mm-hmm. the CRM system. But, but what was it? What was it that, that, cause I think this was a, uh, the question I was actually going to ask you was, was well, how much your success was come, come from skills that were just inherent in who you were and how, and, and which ones were ones that you really had to learn. Because I think the CRM system was one that you really had to intellectually say, this makes sense, and then try to build something around it. Well, I think that
2: I learned a lot of it from my father and my mother uh, growing up, just because, again, my father, uh, being in the insurance business and the interpersonal, commun- uh, interpersonal relationships that he had with so many of his clients, and I could see that it was something that was, it was really strong. Uh, I remember uh, um, my father wrote the insurance on budget rent-a-car, the entire budget rent-a-car for, you know, worldwide. Uh, and yet the owner of the company, Maury Merkin, was, became a very good friend because that's just who my father was and the way that he cultivated relationships. So I learned a lot from that. Uh, I learned a lot from you. Uh, I learned a lot from other agents around me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more than anything else, is I wanted to go home and spend time with my wife. And I wanted to do that and not feel guilty. And for the first couple of years of my career, I would go home and feel guilty about it because I wasn't doing the calls that I was supposed to be making. I wasn't following up. And yet, you know, I got to be at home with my wife. And, and the guilt got to me to the point where finally you broke through, Mike Ferry broke through. And I realized that this is ridiculous. I have to do this. So I would have my 35 to 50 calls and I would make those calls. And then I'd go home and say hi to my wife and spend the day with her. If I didn't have any other appointments, I finished my calls. I finished my door knocking. I can go home now. And it became something that I literally would not go home until I finished that last call. And if I had appointments, that meant that sometimes I wasn't getting home till eight or nine o'clock at night. Uh, if I didn't have appointments, maybe I was home at three, okay? Uh, but the point is, is the consistency of the follow-up and making those calls regardless. I st- Like I said, I still right. do it. Every day I print out my call list, I walk out the door to go on my appointments, and I'm making those calls all day long. When I get back, I update the computer on the conversations we had, schedule the next call with these folks, and it's become so rote for me that... It's really easy now. I just, it's just my, who you I my call for the day, and I just have to do it. No big deal. So it, it's a habit. You know, and once you I, get in that habit, boy, does it pay off.
1: But you said something that I think is very interesting. I think it's something that uh, you know some of these viewers can benefit from, and that is that. And I, I see this a lot throughout all the years and all the agents that I've had throughout the years. It was interesting how few people were ever truly motivated by money once once you get past paying your basic bills very very few people throughout the years really could get up every day and go to work with money as the sole motivation you know you said something very interesting that was I didn't want to go home to my wife and feel like I had flopped or you know paraphrase a little bit but basically i I want to go home and and be able to f- feel with her that you put in a good day and i think it's a really it's a really important thing for people that are kind of in the middle of their careers if they, if they're not there yet to find that thing that's that important to them you know because yeah you know, i saw that people people were working hard to to help put their grandkids through college or even through elementary private schools or they 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 were their fuel was to make somebody else happy and uh, or to not be a disappointment to someone else And I just think that that's, yeah, to someone else. And you felt that. Absolutely.
2: Uh, uh, I'm still 41 years later with my wife and she's an amazing woman. And uh, I can't wait to come home and see her every day. And so I get my job done. Uh, I go through it and I do the best I can for every one of my clients. And then I get to enjoy life. Uh, And the byproduct of that, is a very, very nice income because I'm not putting the money first. I'm putting the client first. Uh, And if you do that, if your mindset is just to do that alone, you will succeed. There's no doubt about it.
1: You know, we've got another series within the ambitious broker. This particular one is Icon. The Icon series talking to people that have had long term success like you. And then another one series where we're just talking about you know, mindset, self-awareness, the things, the the way you got to get yourself mentally prepared to do this business. And you know, one of the things that we talk about uh, in that is the the difficulty in in uh, soliciting almost things that you don't want to hear but need to hear. And I can remember an hysterical uh, time, and, it, and I think you probably know where I'm headed with this thing, but. Uh, we had a particular person in the office who, uh, we, it, it, there's no way that person could have been around someone and had a lot of success because they, they, um, uh, you know, they, they were just, they it was a difficult environment <clears throat> Their Their particular odor was, was bad. And I, and I remember that, uh, some of you in the office, uh, uh created a, uh, a very awakening moment for the person when they had come back to their desk one day and found out that, uh, you know, you guys had quarantined their cubicle for a while. So, I, I do you remember what I'm talking about? You got to remember. Well, well, so yeah, whether I, you know, this is this is this is one of those things that we probably should get too deeply in but this particular person didn't smell as good as other people and so uh uh so so and everyone kept saying well who's going to tell him who's going to tell him who's going to tell him and and one of the things that's come up in one of the previous shows that we did about self awareness was was to allow everyone around you the permission to tell you you know what no one wants to tell you and unfortunately, that thing that they don't want to tell you because they think it's going to hurt your feelings might be, might be something that's, that's a major, major obstacle to your success. So to be able to solicit that from people. So I'm curious with you, was there ever anything, not that you had bad breath or that you had, but was that anything that anyone ever told you that hurt your feelings, but that they told you, but but boy, are you glad they did because it, it was a turning point or it flipped a switch or you walked away with some, some, some you know, uh, some growth. So out I used it. to get a little huffy about stuff
2: uh, and, uh, you know, I'd get real upset over things. And I just realized that, you know, uh, it's just number one, it's not it's not productive. Number two, you know, uh, and, and faith is very important to me. Uh, As you know, and I just felt like, you know, God put me in this position here to, uh, to be a stabilizing factor instead. Uh, stop with the huffiness, stop with, uh, you know, the attitude and whatnot. Open your ears and listen to what other people are trying to tell you and, and then react instead of reacting very, very quickly up front. Um, you know, a good salesman listens more than they talk. And that's one of right. the factors that we have a real problem with, because when you meet with a client for the very, very first time, and you're trying to win them over and you're the greatest broker and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And a lot of times you haven't even asked them. So what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish here? Let me try to pull back a little bit, use my base of knowledge to, help you attain your goals the best we possibly can. And that's the biggest problem that most brokers have is they, they just don't listen. They don't listen to what the client has to say and try to help them because their circumstances not only are unique to them, but they're paramount to them. They're the most important thing. And that's who you're trying to, to deal with. So taking the time to back up a little bit and listen to that client what their needs are and try to accomplish that and if you can do that and if you're successful in doing it believe me they will tell everybody this guy listened to what I had to say and they did exactly what we needed for our circumstances and that's what it's all about right
1: so let's get back to this you were huffy so you didn't you weren't run around the office saying tell me what my problem is and then and then people said they volu- they volunteered you were huffy how did you? How did you?
2: Co- and I probably took it out on my wife more than than uh, anybody else because I knew I could talk to her, and my ego was too big to maybe talk to people in the office and whatnot because I didn't want to be judged by them or this and that.
1: When you come to that self, or they didn't deserve to judge you. It doesn't
2: matter anyway. Look for people's guidance. Look for people's help. You can decipher what is going to work for you and what is not going to work for you and use whatever you want, but open yourself up, be a little bit more transparent in what it is, and it comes back to benefit you definitely, no doubt.
1: Right. So, so you know, we talked about you get started here, you have some obstacles, you have some 14 months that was difficult for you, and you overcome that with your persistence and stuff. You, you, you. um Uh, then we're able to become the top person here. And then out of nowhere, you decide after building all these roots to just uproot and and leave that foundation that you built and and move to Colorado. You know, first of all, you broke my heart as my top salesperson. I'm surprised I still talk to you. 30 years, 30 years later. (laughs) But uh, so you 26 years later. Yeah. So. Uh, feels like 30 or 27 years. That's how, that's how much it hurt me. So, so you moved to Colorado and, and now you're, you start from scratch again. So now how diff how different was that starting from scratch? than the starting from scratch, what was it? You were eight or nine, 10 years in the business at that time, 12 years in the business, probably 17 years. Wow. I've been in the right. business
2: 17 years, uh, January 17th, 1994, the uh, Northridge earthquake hit, and our house right. wasn't destroyed, but it was it was messed up pretty bad. Um, and I think at the time, I think I had six or seven listings. Every one of them went off the market because they had damage to their home. I probably had, I don't know, five or six or four or whatever under contract, and every one of those fell out because their homes were damaged. Right. My wife and I had been talking about, you know, moving anyway, uh, and just to kind of start over, uh, and, you know, a lot of stuff was, uh, you know, the crime and whatnot that was in Southern California and our daughter was getting at that age. And, you know, we decided, let's look around. I literally had to start my business over there, even though I had a lot of leads and, and I would have jumped right back into it when the market turned, it just seemed like a good time. And, uh. So we right. looked all over the place and chose Colorado because I love to ski. And, uh, so you're right. When we came here, I, I knew one person and that was somebody that I sold in my Northridge farm, uh, who happened to move to Colorado. And I called them up and yeah. they actually allowed uh, my wife and my daughter to stay with them for two weeks until an apartment was ready. Uh, So that we could, and we stayed in the apartment for four months until our, our home we were building was, uh, that we were building was ready. So, but it was starting all over. It was, I picked a new farm. I started door knocking
1: again. And, and. So you went, you went, you went right back to the basic things you did here. Now, the difference is that you, you had a sense of knowing this time. In other words, there was. There was a little bit of uncertainty, you know. You're hearing it. You, the environment's telling you, do this, do this. Fundamentals, fundamentals. But you didn't own those feelings yet. You go, to, you go to Colorado with 17 years behind you, and now when you approach it, the first door there, while not on crutches, <laughs> you had a different uh, advantage. You, you had advantage of of knowing these poor suckers in my farm don't even know what they've run into. Absolutely. Basically. I started with a force
2: right yeah. there and uh, really started dominating my farm very, very quickly. Um, I also had the uh, I was fortunate enough to have my first 17 years in an extremely competitive market. Uh, and I came to a market that wasn't nearly as competitive. And a lot of the tools that I used in, I mean, in California, uh, they weren't using in Colorado. And so I kind of went to the forefront fairly quick, and uh, it took uh, four years, and I was the number one producer in our company at that point, after four years.
0: Thank you for tuning in to part two of our Icon series with Stephen Noel. Enjoy part three, coming up, our third and final segment. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Ambitious Broker Podcast, where elite real estate professionals share their secrets to success, discuss topics impacting their industry, and gain professional development insights. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please rate it and leave a review.